Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me this morning. I hope all is going well with you. We are on into June now, aren't we? I've mentioned this before, but this year is just flying by. Most years seem to do that, but this year seems to be going by even faster than most. And I just praise God for the opportunities that he gives us uh, each and every day to share him with others. And, and let's make the most of each and every day for Jesus. Let's make the most of each day to let people know about Jesus through our words, through our actions. And let's continue just to dive into his word. Uh, I hope you're studying his word on your own, that you're reading his word. And I kind of separate that into two categories, reading and studying. Reading is like if you're going through the Bible in a year or you're reading one or two chapters a day, you're reading it. But I, I pray you take time to study. Take a verse and just dig into it and let the Holy Spirit just really minister to you. So take time to read. Take time to study. And I just want to encourage you to do that. And this morning we are going to talk about something that the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 where he says, Now is the day of salvation. We're going to get into that this morning, but first let's go to our Abba our Heavenly Father, in prayer. Father, we love you. Oh, we praise you. Father, there is none like you. Nobody can love us like you do. Father, you are full of love. You're full of grace. You're full of mercy and compassion and forgiveness. Father, you are beyond amazing. And we praise you, Lord, and we praise you for all your awesome works. Lord, we read in your word the amazing things that you did from creating everything to opening up the Red Sea so your people can walk through on dry land. Jesus, we see you casting out demons from people. We see you healing people. We see you bringing people back to life. We see you coming back to life, to live and to reign forever. And we know you're coming back. And we praise you, Lord Jesus. Father, you are just so, so, so amazing. But Father, I thank you that you didn't just work in those biblical days. You work now. You are always doing things here and all over this world, Father God. Lord, souls are being saved. Father, people are being healed. Needs are being met. God, you continue to reign, and you always will reign, for there is no other God but you. And you are almighty. You are all-powerful. And we give you the praise and honor and glory that only you deserve. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning. Thank you for this message. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us as we open up your word this morning. Lead us into all your truths and just pray that we will all be doers of your word and not hearers only. And those who are listening today who don't have that personal relationship with you, Lord, let them keep listening. And I just ask that you just draw them to you and that today will be the day of their salvation. Father, we praise you, we love you, and we thank you. And it's in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Back in 1989, I attended a revival service led by the evangelist Andy Bryan. Those of you who remember Andy, y'all know he was one of a kind, and he's been with Jesus for a while now. But Andy and I, we became friends, and I went to a number of his services, and every time he gave altar calls, I felt conviction. It wasn't Andy who was convicting me. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the reality was this. I knew that I had played church way too long. I'd acted like a Christian for way too long. I had my girlfriend fooled, 
They even had Andy fooled. And I pretty much had everybody fooled, people thinking that I was a Christian. But you know what? I couldn't fool God. None of us can fool God. God knows. The one night at a service Andy was leading in Clio, Alabama, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit in a very, very strong way. But I would not go up front. My pride stood in the way. That night as I drove my girlfriend home, I didn't say a word. And those of y'all who know me, you know that's highly unusual for me not to say anything. And so we pulled up into her driveway. I was dropping her off. And she looked at me and she asked, what is wrong with you? Because she knew it was unusual that I did not say a thing all the way from Clio to Skipperville, where she lived at at the time. And with tears streaming down my face, I said, I'm not saved. I need Jesus. And she said, well, you know what to do. Yes, yes, I did. And right there in my Chevrolet Chevette, I called on the name of Jesus, and I surrendered my life to him. That was my day of salvation. Often when I share the gospel, like I was praying just a few minutes ago, I will say, now is the day of salvation. And I'm sure many of you have heard that before. Many of you probably even know where that quote comes from in the Bible. And if not, I'll tell you it's our key scripture today, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. And today we're going to look at what was Paul talking about here. And as we read it, we see that there's an urgency in Paul's writing as he proclaims that now is the day of salvation. So let's read that, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let me give you some background here on what's going on when Paul wrote this letter. It's important to know that background so we can look at the text in proper context. Paul, he wrote this letter to the church at Corinth around A.D. 55-56 while he was in Macedonia. And it was a year before he wrote his letter to the Romans uh, from Corinth. And this was actually the fourth letter that Paul penned to the church in Corinth. Uh, We have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, but there's two other letters that have been lost. We don't have those letters anymore. But Paul mentions those letters in his writings. And the church of Corinth, it was a mess. Just to put it bluntly, it was a mess. And Paul's relationship with the believers in Corinth was, well, I think complicated is probably the best word to to describe it. Uh, He planted that church, and he put a lot of work into building up the believers, making disciples. But then the church went into open rebellion against Paul. And that's the reason for the third letter that Paul refers to here in 2 Corinthians. Uh, He calls that letter, and that's one of the lost letters, but he calls that letter a tearful and painful letter to write. He warns the church of God's judgment if they didn't repent. And to Paul's great joy, the majority of the church did repent. However, there was still that rebellious minority who continued to reject Paul and his gospel. That They rejected Paul for these reasons. They questioned his motives for organizing a collection for the believers in Jerusalem. And they questioned his personal courage, which astounds me. Paul's one of the most courageous people that I've read about. They argued that Paul suffered too much. 
to be a spirit-filled apostle of the risen Christ. And that astounds me as well because did these people not know what Jesus went through? I mean, this is written in A.D. 55, 56, maybe 22 years or so, 23 years since Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, Did they not, if they didn't see it firsthand, but they've read about it and they've heard about it, that Jesus suffered greatly. So why wouldn't a servant of his also suffer? Uh, Jesus tells us that the world, if the world hates us, it's because they hated him first. I often refer to these scoffers as the first prosperity gospel people. (laughs) You know, that false gospel that it just talks about prosperity and how people aren't going to be sick and suffer and can name it and claim it and all that stuff. That kind of sounds like what they were doing here that, you know, how dare Paul call himself an apostle of Jesus Christ with him suffering like this? Well, Paul was definitely an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he did suffer a lot. And I just find it incredulous that they would ridicule him for, for his suffering. To me, when I read it, man, it's such an inspiration that, Paul went through what he did because he wanted to fulfill the call of God on his life. Paul's letter here, uh, 2 Corinthians, is an extended defense of the legitimacy of his apostolic ministry and its implications because he's still defending the call of God on his life to those who are scoffing at him. And it has three overlapping purposes. Number one, to strengthen the faithful majority and the purity of the church. Number two, to complete the collection, talking about the collection for the believers in Judea, as the expression of their repentance. And thirdly, to offer the rebellious majority one more chance to repent before Paul returns to Corinth and judges those who are still rejecting him and his message. If Paul's ministry didn't have a legitimacy to it, then his message would be ineffective. So having a legitimacy of not only our ministry, but our walk with Jesus, our our Christian life, our faith is so important. People's opinion do not make a person or ministry legitimate. Our legitimacy comes from God. And it was obvious then, and it definitely is obvious now, that Paul and his apostolic ministry were legit. God himself personally gave Paul legitimacy when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus and called him to the ministry and told him exactly what he would do for the kingdom. There was no doubt about the call of the Lord on Paul's life. And why is that important? And especially in the light of our topic today, now is the day of salvation. If Paul wasn't a legitimate apostle, then his message really wouldn't matter, would it? It would carry no weight and people would have no reason to believe it then or now. But since the Holy Spirit brought legitimacy to Paul and his ministry, which our Lord Jesus Christ called him to, then people could believe Paul when he told them that salvation comes through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. Paul preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. God spoke through him very powerfully and still does through his writings, which have been canonized and are part of the Bible. And matter of fact, he wrote about 75% of the New Testament. And so God speaks to us very, very powerfully through Paul's writings. Let's do a modern-day look at it. It's like Love in Action or any other ministry you can think of. What makes Love in Action legitimate? Does having an ordained minister leading the ministry make us legit? No. 
not at all. Does the fact that the United States Internal Revenue Service recognizes us as a 501c3 Christian nonprofit organization make us legitimate? No. Now, it does help when you give, and you can count that as a tax write-off, but that doesn't make us legitimate. What makes us legit is the call of Jesus on my life and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God called me to this ministry on the streets of Atlanta back in 1999, and he anointed me to do his work, as he did my wife, Martha, and others on our staff, Pamela, Sean, Suhail. Because of the legitimacy Jesus gives us, then our message is effective. When we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we do so with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ boldly. And that's not boasting about us. Please understand that. That's boasting about God. But we get our legitimacy from God. So Christians, listening to today's message, understand that your legitimacy comes from God, not from man. It's not about the denomination your church is a part of or not a part of. It's not about the style of worship you prefer. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. When you are truly born again, then your relationship with Jesus will be true, and people will be able to see that. When you don't change because of circumstances or because of who you're around, but you hold fast to your faith in Jesus, that gives legitimacy to your faith. Think about this. How do you act when you're around non-believers? If they are using a lot of cuss words, do you join in with them? Or do you continue following Jesus? If you're where a lot of alcohol is being consumed in mass quantities, do you join in? Or do you say, nah, I don't do that anymore because I want to honor Jesus. And you're not doing it in a judgmental way. You're just saying, hey, look, I don't do that anymore. My life now is to bring honor to Jesus, and I don't think I would honor Jesus if I would do that. So how are you when circumstances change, when something happens and your world kind of gets a little haywire? How do you react? How do you respond? Do people see you just going crazy, <laughs> or do they see you remaining calm? Because you know Jesus has this. It's not that you know we go through things we're not concerned about what's going on, but when we have the peace of Jesus and we face situations, then we can be calm about it because the peace of God is in us. The peace of God has consumed us. And we know that while we may not understand what's going on, God has us and he has the situation and he's going to work all things out. When we change how we talk and how we act because of who we're around or where we're at or what's going on, it really hurts our witness for Christ. When you don't change and continue living like a follower of Jesus, then it brings great legitimacy to your faith and with your walk with Jesus because people see that and they recognize that. Some may call you a do-gooder. Some may call you a Bible thumper or one of my personal favorites, a Jesus freak. But people say those things. They're just trying to get you to fall so they can say, see, Christians, they're no different than the rest of us. But when you don't change, no matter what people say or do or what's going on, but you keep following Jesus, then some are going to eventually say, I've been watching you, and you've been the same no matter what. I need what you have. And that gives you the opportunity to share Christ with them and lead them to the Lord. So we need to be consistent in our walk with Jesus 
And when we do, we'll have a legitimate witness. And when that happens, when we share our faith and tell people now is the day of salvation, our message will have meaning and it'll be a lot more effective. So Paul and his ministry based its legitimacy in Jesus Christ, and so should we. We should base our lives, our faith in Jesus Christ. Paul had an urgency about seeing people come to Jesus, and, and we see that in his writings here. In verse 1, Paul writes, We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now, the phrase in vain means without effect or result. The Holman Christian Standard Study Bible says this about the phrase in vain. It may refer to, number one, falling away from a profession of faith that was apparent but not genuine and therefore going into eternity apart from Christ. Or two, developing neither Christ-like character nor good works because of a life of backsliding and therefore having one's works burned at the judgment seat of Christ. In verse 2, Paul ties Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8 into his message when he says, In a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The larger context of Isaiah 49, 8 was God's restoration that would come at least to the covenant people Israel. Paul's citation shows that he believed this time had now arrived with the incarnation, death, and resurrection of Christ. Now and day of salvation refer in general to the times between Christ's first and second coming. And in particular, they refer to the moment a person hears the good news. That's the gospel, the good news. There should be no delay in responding. That's what Paul's talking about here. There's this urgency. And Paul is telling the church in Corinth and therefore, he's also telling all of us, God speaking through him, and especially those who are in rebellion, that the time is now. Don't delay. If that's you this morning, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, don't delay. Now, today is the day of salvation. If I had died while I was playing church, acting like I was saved, I would have gone straight to hell, no doubt about it. But praise God, I didn't delay that night in 1989. Maybe that was to be my last chance for salvation. Maybe I'd, I'd played too long and th that was it. And maybe that's why God was drawing me to himself so strongly. Maybe that's why the Holy Spirit was convicting me so heavily. Don't delay. Stop playing church. Stop acting like you're a Christian. Don't worry about what other people think. All that matters is what God knows. And he knows if you're saved or not. You know if you're saved or not. If you aren't, call on the Lord Jesus Christ right now and be saved. And I'm going to stop this teaching just for a moment here. And I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. And if that's you, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus and never have, or if you've been acting like you have, I encourage you just call out to him. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need you, Jesus. I need your salvation, and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. I repent. God, you've been so good to me, so kind to me, and now I want to repent of my sins, and I turn to you, Jesus, and ask you to save me, ask you to help me to live for you day by day. 
I confess, Jesus, you are my Savior, you are my Lord, and I believe with all my heart that you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day to give all who believe eternal life, I believe. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live for you each and every day. And I love you, Jesus. And it's in your name I pray. Just call out to him the best you know how. He'll meet you right where you're at, and he will save you. He'll forgive you. He'll give you new life, and he'll give you eternity with him in paradise. I encourage you to do that today. And if you need to talk to somebody, if you know a strong believer in the Lord, talk to that person. If you want to talk talk with me, I'd love to talk with you. You can call our office at 334-494-4995 or email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to give you some next steps, too, uh, as you begin this new journey with Jesus Christ. Praise God. Well, like Paul was saying in verse 1, don't receive the grace of God in vain. The grace of God comes about solely through the death of Christ. Those who turn back from Christ show that their initial apparent reception of God's grace was not real, but it was in vain. When I made a confession of faith at the age of 12, I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. I didn't really make a commitment to Jesus. I just kind of went through the motions because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And I was, but with a different heart instead of just, just doing it just to be doing it. What it did do, however, though, was to plant a great seed in my heart that would eventually grow and come to fruition 11 years later. There is an urgency to salvation. None of us are promised tomorrow. We aren't promised our next breath, for that matter. On average, 150,000 people around the world die every day. And according to our world data, 67.1 million people died last year. On average, nearly two people die every second. So that means in this 30-minute program, nearly 3,200 people will have died. What if one of those were you? Where would you spend eternity? In heaven or in hell? That's the most important question we can ask ourselves right now. My mom died back in January of this year, and I know where she's at. There's no doubt. She is in heaven. She loved Jesus with a great passion, and she taught me to do the same. She loved serving Jesus. She read her Bible and was in church all the time. Now, being in church all the time is not what saved her. Her faith in Jesus is what saved her, but she wanted to be around other believers, and she wanted to hear the Word of God taught because she wanted to grow in Jesus. And she loved serving Jesus. She faithfully served here at Love and Action for nearly 20 years. She knew where she was going when she died. You can too. And I implore you to give your life to Jesus today. He's waiting with open arms. He loves you so much. As we conclude this morning's message on Sunday morning of Love and Action, I want to ask you two things. First, for followers of Jesus, do you have a real legitimate relationship with Jesus Or are you just claiming to be a follower of Jesus? Does your faith get its legitimacy from Jesus? If not, then repent and get your life right with God. That was me. I didn't have a legitimate relationship with Jesus, but I sure acted like it. I probably should have been nominated for an Oscar. I acted so well that I was a Christian. But in reality, I wasn't. I was on my way to hell. But praise God for his patience. Praise God for his son Jesus 
Praise God for drawing me to himself. And I responded that night, as I mentioned, in my Chevrolet Chevette in 1989 with repentance and commitment to Jesus. And I urge you to do the same. Number two, there's an urgency. Now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off any longer. You may not have tomorrow. You may not have the rest of today. The word favorable that Paul quotes from Isaiah 49 verse 8 means a very favorable acceptance. Another form of the word in the Greek denotes a person or thing who has been regarded favorably. This form of the word is even stronger in that it implies a very favorable acceptance. The quote from Isaiah that Paul refers to is a prophecy about Jesus. Isaiah says in 49 verse 8, In the day of salvation I have helped you. This refers to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The acceptable time and the day of salvation would be ushered in by Christ's resurrection from the dead. In his preaching of the gospel, Paul seizes upon this marvelous truth and announces to his unsaved listeners, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In other words, the era of which Isaiah had prophesied as the day of salvation has already come. So Paul urges these men, these women, to trust the Savior, Jesus Christ, while it is still the day of salvation. You see, there's a time when God listens to sinners and responds to those who are repentant. And it was and it is that time. However, there will also be an end time to that time, which is why Paul's exhortation was so passionate. He had such an urgency because he understood that. Followers of Jesus, do you have an urgency to see the lost saved? We have to. We don't know how much time anyone has left, and we don't know when Jesus is coming back. Jesus fulfilled over 300 messianic prophecies when he came the first time, so I know he will fulfill the prophecies about a second coming. Let's tell others about Jesus and be like Paul and have an urgency in our message. And let's obey Jesus and make disciples. Today's message was really for believers and people who aren't believers in Jesus. If you're a believer, then we need to have that legitimacy with our walk, that we're not faking it or just having that walk with Jesus and being a Christian when we're around other Christians, but not changing even when we're around non-Christians, letting people see Jesus in us. I mean, Jesus, we read, he hung out with sinners and tax collectors. He didn't change. He, he was Jesus. <laughs> He's still the Son of God, and he loved people, but he didn't change just because of who he was around. And so we're to be like Jesus. And also, do you have an urgency? we got to have an urgency to share the gospel with others. And for those who don't know Jesus, it is urgent. Jesus is coming back. And we also don't know how much longer each one of us have on this earth. So there is an urgency to salvation. Today is the day of salvation for you. And I pray that you call on the name of Jesus. Call to Jesus. Talk to him. He wants to save you. He died to save you. And praise God, he rose back to life to give all who believe eternal life. In Second Thessalonians chapter 1 we read about the judgment that's coming and what happens to those who do not give their lives to Jesus, who reject him. We read in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 7, 
when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flame and fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Don't be left out. Call on the name of Jesus. Give your life to him because that is the reality. When we leave this earth one day, we're either going to go to heaven or to hell. And I pray that you give your life to Jesus so you can go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus because he loves you. He loves you so much. I just can't stress that enough. Well, praise God for his word. Praise God for his loving kindness that never ends. Praise God for his son, Jesus, in whom we have salvation. We have redemption. We have eternal life with. Thank you for listening today. I pray this message was helpful, and I pray that, again, share Jesus with people. And if you don't have them, call out on them and be saved. As you go through this week, Remember, he loves you so very much, and I pray you have a wonderful week coming up. And I pray the Lord will bless you and keep you, and may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.